Hello everyone, welcome back to Can't Stop, Won't Stop, where we can't stop and we won't stop fighting for justice. I'm your host, Lindsay Ann. Today, you will hear some of retired Pennsylvania state trooper Sean Inlow's journalism and more on his alleged scandalous behavior, as well as some of the threats that we have been receiving lately. Are you ready? Let's do this! Hey guys, D here. Before we start, I'd like to thank all of our Can't Stop, Won't Stop patrons. Your monthly donations helps families just like ours fight for justice. The amount of money that we had to spend on a PI FOIA request, travel expenses, signs, bracelets, posters, and so much more was detrimental on our family. Which is why Lindsay created her Patreon tiers ranging from $8 a month up to $100 a month. Without each of you, there is no way she could continue to help in the fight for justice. Thanks, babe. And so you guys, if you're wondering how you can help on a monthly basis, please check out my Patreon page at www.patreon.com backslash can't stop, won't stop, where you can learn about those four different tiers that are available. We appreciate you. Yes, we do. Once again, I want to make sure that you are aware that this week's episode, like many, are not for little ears. I will be talking about some very disturbing and alarming information, and listener discretion is advised. I'm going to update you on a couple of things before I begin to expose more of who retired Pennsylvania State Police Trooper Sean Enlow really is. After last week's episode aired, I was called a moron, a liar, running people down, disrespectful, shit talker, chasing shadows, I'm not fighting for anybody, self-righteous, and to have a nice life. All of those by the same person. Oh, and then this same person blocked me, just like Joel's wife, Beth, blocked me. I realize, you guys, that the truth is tough to hear, but I am not the one who made these poor life choices. I'm just the one exposing them in order to make Phillipsburg, Osceola Mills, and Clearfield a safer community. This person also told me that no man scares him. He said that Inlow was his arresting officer in 2008, and Inlow kicked his ribs in while cuffed, and some, quote, female pig petted his head and kept saying it will be over soon at the police station in front of about eight other cops, end quote. I have also been informed that my podcast has certain people getting threats, and that I need to be a lot more careful with what I put out there. And we were warned that we're dealing with a lot of criminals, and they might put it together more than we think. 
My response is this. Reach out to me if you have an issue with the podcast. It's my name behind the podcast. Don't threaten me through someone else. That's what a coward does. If you have an issue with what I'm saying, then talk directly to me. Everything I put out there, I have proof to back me up. You can message me on Facebook at Lindsay Ann. You can find me on Instagram and message me there at my Lindsay Ann. Or you can email me at lindsayann3 at yahoo.com. L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-A-N-N, the number three at yahoo.com. I also want to be very clear that the Clark family has received many tips over the past few weeks. And we are beyond grateful for those of you who are brave enough to reach out and share what you know or even what you might have heard. Rumors help. The more people we get coming forward, the stronger case we develop. Your voices matter. And the Clark family can't thank you enough for your bravery. Thank you all of you who have reached out. Almost every single tip we get stays confidential, you guys, and we will not repeat it on this platform. However, there are times that we get people reaching out that have no idea what a podcast is or does and what it's like to fight for a loved one's justice. Those are the people I will expose-ish. With that said, I posted on Facebook this week that a new episode will be dropping on Friday. And a girl commented, I'm going to keep her name out of it, even though, according to the law, this was done on social media, which is a public platform, and I very much have the right to call her ass out. I'll respect her wishes to remain anonymous. She commented on the public post that she has since deleted that I need to be careful about who I slander. So I told her to message me and we can set up a time to talk. Oh, and there's a certain local ex-doctor that liked her comment. Well, Here's how our conversation went in Messenger. She messaged me first with, Yeah, Samantha messaged me regarding the matter of her father's death. I don't have any information for her. I am her age. I would have been five to six when he died. There are no facts regarding any of my family. I don't want my name on this podcast nor my family members. Those girls are going too far. Thank you. And then I responded with, I have no idea who you are, and I've never said your name. If you're family of Sean Inlow, then I will continue to expose him. Who have I mentioned in your family that you're concerned about? She said, nope, no family of Sean Inlow. 
blank. And that's when she said her last name. I said, I've never said your name, and I'm also allowed to say whatever I have proof of. I'm here for Terry's justice, not to protect people. I will expose the truth. I've never heard of you being involved in anything. She said, well, there are no facts, but she was digging. There's nothing that links my family to his death. To which I replied, of course they are digging. It's their father. I'm hoping you'd do the same for yours. She said, to an extent, yes. She's gone too far. Whatever. Have a great night. So I said, in your opinion. And I think she's a great daughter fighting for her father's justice. She then said, When she's asking me about personal details, about an arson that happened when I was just a child, that's going too fucking far. And she's asking me the age of my nephew, that's going too fucking far. And I think you want it all, so you can post and get those likes. Ha ha, good day. I said, I disagree, and I'd do the same when fighting for my dad's justice. If you have nothing to hide, then why don't you just answer her? She said, I'm sorry her father died, but let's get this straight. The man literally was walking down a main road drunk and high, correct? Because the questions she was asking, I wasn't able to fucking answer. I was also five at the time of his death, Nancy Drew. So after taking some time to praise myself for being compared to the incredible author, Nancy Drew, I responded with, Then, that's all you had to say. Why so defensive? We have a lot of information about houses being intentionally set on fire. And yes, he had alcohol and marijuana in his system. That's not stopping us from fighting for his justice. I'm not doing this for likes. I'm doing this to help a family get justice. I'm available to talk if you'd like. She said, I totally understand what you're saying, but what I'm saying is that she needs to watch out who she's accusing and watch what she spreads around if it's not facts and there's nothing to back it up. I'm not going to have my name or my family's name slandered for no goddamn reason. So I'm just giving you the heads up now. There are no facts, and there is nothing that links us to him. And then I responded with, Your name has never been brought up. You are the one bringing it up. You're the one being defensive. I've never heard of you until you commented today. That's a red flag to me. Are you threatening me? If you and your family are innocent, then why do you care so much about the podcast? If you're innocent, then why not just carry on and don't worry about what others say? And she said, would you like your name spread all over a podcast if you had nothing to do with something? I've had it. I have enough going on in my own life. Red flag? That's fine. Wipe your ass with it. Just be sure to have all the facts. Good night. And I simply said, I wouldn't care if I was innocent. 
And you guys, that sparked something because then I got this message. Shut the fuck up. It's rude. Can you tell me what I could be guilty of when I was literally a child? You're disgusting and your podcasts are disgusting. Taking people's tragedies and turning them into likes. Good day. So after all of that, I decided to check in with the Clark girls and I was informed that this girl is in fact the same age as Terry's daughter, Sam. And she confirmed that she was 14 years old at the time of her father's death. So this girl was lying big time to me. Five is not even close to 14 years old. I wonder if she went to the same school as Joel Conway. They do math the same. Just saying. So then today, on the day of this recording... I messaged this girl with, quote, I heard you were 14 at the time, not five. That's quite a big difference. Which one is it? End quote. And holy shit, did I put her panties in a bunch. She responded with, well, considering I don't know when the hell that guy died, don't fucking message me, bitch, or I'm going to have you arrested for harassment. I'm going to tell you one more time not to post me on your stupid podcast and do not respond to me again. I will call the fucking state police or I will call the police out in Michigan. I don't think you fucking understand. I am not in a place or position to be playing with people like you. Go post on your stupid podcast and leave me the fuck alone. I repeat, don't message me again or I will have you charged for harassment. Fucking piece of shit. And then she Facebook audio called me and said, Don't message me one more time or I'm going to have you arrested for harassment, you stupid fucking bitch. Go post on your stupid podcast and go get your likes and leave people like me out of your mouth. Good day, you fucking bitch. (laughs) And then she hung up. Well, since now I have another person extremely defensive and demanding that I don't contact her again. I guess I'll use my stupid podcast to respond indirectly. So this girl said in two different comments that she was five years old when Terry died. Then, as soon as I call her out on it, she backpedals and starts swearing at me. And for her to say, quote, I don't know when the hell that guy died, end quote, is hugely inconsiderate. That guy is named Terry Clark Sr., and he has a very loving, loyal, and empathetic family seeking his justice. And it's people like this girl that don't want involved and claim I have no idea what I'm talking about, that I believe know a heck of a lot more about Terry's death and the people involved than they are willing to share. So instead, it appears that they choose to threaten and scare those of us that are inching our way to the truth. Okay, so remember earlier in the podcast 
when pigs were brought up? Well, let's talk about Sean Inlow again. If you haven't listened to episode 60, I recommend that you pause and do so now. So here's an article that I found online titled, Sean Inlow, Why Police Shootings Happen, that Sean Inlow, alleged pedophile, alleged rapist, alleged illegal drug dealer, current youth soccer coach, and current board member at Osceola Mills Community Pool, and current board member and or maybe the owner of a youth theater named Cast published this article on November 28, 2018 in the Trib Live. Dwayne is going to read the article for you while I give my mm, commentary. <laughs> All right, here you go. Sean Inlow, Why Police Shootings Happen. After reading your friend's social media comments on another tragic police shooting, I wanted to share my perspective. There is a lot of mental illness in police work. There's also substantial racism and classism. Rich people are good people. Poor people are the opposite. Training in the use of force continuum. An escalating series of actions an officer may take to resolve a situation is step one. I believe the Pennsylvania State Police do this very well. But what police do very poorly is admit they are sometimes not safe. When I worked as a state trooper, I had days when I didn't know where I was. And when I got hold of myself, I determined I was unsafe and took myself out of service for the day. Police work is a Chinese water torture of stress, sickness, substance abuse, Hatred, hurt, and misery. People snap. Okay, Sean Inlow, you say that police work is a Chinese water torture of stress, sickness, substance abuse, hatred, hurt, and misery? Then why the fuck were you a police officer? You chose that profession. According to Google, Chinese water torture is a mentally painful process in which a victim is tied up with cold water slowly dripping onto the scalp, forehead, or face for a prolonged period of time. The process causes fear and mental deterioration in the subject. That sounds terrible. Sean Inlow, I think you're full of shit, and I think that you are the one treating members of the community you swore to protect and serve as if they were subjected to the Chinese water torture. I think you, Sean Inlow, are gaslighting your alleged victims that were raped, tortured, and prostituted. I think you, Sean Inlow, are a liar. Imagine waking up every day and everything you do will be part of someone else's worst day of their lives. Then you go back to the barracks and a supervisor who can't find his own way kicks you when you're down just because he can. No, he must mess with you. And if you file a complaint, you're mercilessly hounded for months. 
You get home and your wife asks, how was your day? So you drink. Sean and Lowe. Imagine waking up every day and everything you do reminds you of the disgusting creep of a state trooper that allegedly raped you when you were 12 to 14 years old. Sean and Lowe. Imagine waking up every day and everything you do reminds you of the disgusting creep of a state trooper that took an oath to protect and serve you, ended up prostituting you out to his buddies and forcing you to package and deal drugs for him. Imagine all of that, Sean and Lo, and then going home and having your parents ask, how was your day? My assessment, based on my own experience, most police officers have contemplated suicide. That's my guess. I was driven close to the brink myself, and I didn't work in what you would think of as a dangerous place. I think police suffer a kind of PTSD, and it can be deadly. The police don't do anything about it. You don't admit weakness. You wanted to wear the big hat, you're told. And there is no redress to an officer's grievances. While adherence to, quote, the law, unquote, is a noble calling that holds our society together, those who construct that blue wall stretch to hold that status quo together. I had a kid in custody who had a swastika tattoo on his arm. He didn't seem like a Nazi. He seemed like a nice kid. And I asked him if he knew what that symbol was. He called it a twisted cross, I said. Son, seven million people died under that symbol. He seemed ashamed. The next week, kids at Penn State ran out of beer and inexplicably started rioting and setting things on fire and tossing bottles from the balconies down into Beaver Canyon. And when I showed up in a riot helmet, a kid shouted into my face that I was a Nazi pig. What happened to me a liberal arts major, a poet, and singer who somehow got into the system was that I became sick and black, distorted into some weird shape of who I once was. You can only absorb so much hate before it breaks you. What happened to you? Who the fuck cares? You became sick and black? First of all, what does it mean to become black? And second... I don't give a shit because I'm so furious that you are making this all about you and looking for sympathy for you choosing a career that you sucked at, in my opinion. You can only absorb so much hate before it breaks you? What about those innocent young boys and girls you allegedly victimized while you were a state trooper? The job you chose to do. Still, this does not excuse the murder of innocent people. When I saw Rodney King beating, it was a shock. There's no police training in the world that makes that acceptable or right. When I saw the little boy playing with a toy gun in Cleveland get shot dead in seconds, when OJ walked, When the planes crashed, there's so much hate. You never see the police officer drinking his courage for another day 
drinking himself drunk at 7 a.m. and wetting his bed, or worse, that's a secret. We don't speak of those things. When you see that shocking video, ask yourself not whether or not the person in the video is racist. He could be, yes. But you need to ask whether or not the person is well. He probably isn't. Holy shit. That is one of the worst articles I've ever read. The narcissism, arrogance, and egocentric ideology of this article is obvious. Sean Inlow, even if he didn't commit the many, many alleged crimes, is on the struggle bus, in my opinion. So here is a quick recap on Sean Inlow's alleged behavior as a Pennsylvania state trooper. This information was provided to us in a written statement, and it states in part, quote, Trooper Inlow is well known to be having sex with young women in order that these women get out of drug possession charges. They allegedly had sex with high school girls behind the school. Trooper Inlow fronted kids with marijuana and more potent drugs. Trooper Inlow taught them how to make the heroin appear to be more potent by adding some pills such as Loratab and Percocet to it. Trooper Inlow provided them with these pills and taught them how to buy pill splitters and some type of pill-forming device from the local pharmacies. Trooper Inlow was fronting cocaine to Blank, who lived on Blank Street in Phillipsburg. Inlow had sex with 14-year-old girls, not just by the school, but in many locations. Inlow was the worst because he would get the CI and others to get them young kids for sex. They craved sex and with younger people. Inlow would have sex with as young as 12 to 14-year-old girls and boys. If the CI failed at his job, he would be beaten, yelled at, and raped or humiliated by the troopers, end quote. And that's the short version, you guys. Listen to episode 60 for more detailed information. This creep, in my opinion, is a board member of the Clearfield Arts Studio Theater, also known as CAST. And on April 20th, 2020, the CAST Facebook page posted the following. Meet a board member, Sean Inlow. Today we meet Sean. Sean's from Osceola Mills, Pennsylvania, is married to Rebecca, and they have a son, Wyatt. Again, remember this was in 2020. Sean, a former journalist, 10 years with the Courier Express, The Progress, and WOKW, and a retired state trooper, 20 years, is a founding member of CAST and holds his theater troupe as the dearest friends of his life. Of late, he's working in music and theater as an offshoot of CAST with his Stone Man project, which includes his original rock band, Stone Man, and Stone Man Theater at a new theater in Phillipsburg. I have been building for about six months. Cast and Stone Man Theater are forming a collaboration where our performances 
will show in Phillipsburg and also at CAST for one-night-only performances that will tuck neatly into the cast schedule for special events. Sean continues, I grew up on cast's stage, and it's only natural that now I am wanting to stretch and challenge myself and other actors and theater technical people towards showing a new way forward for our beloved cast. Since our rejuvenation about five or six years ago, I think it's become clear that cast has evolved, and I think the theater has has to continue to do so. We originally came from a church basement, and we couldn't say a lot of words. I think now, though, since we've done Rock of Ages a while back, Buddy Holly, and the Rocky Horror Picture Show, that it is evident that our audiences don't mind mature themes, and sometimes honest language. This, to me, is a good thing because we're talking about life here and our audiences are mature enough to get into and benefit from challenging conversations. I like to say our audiences don't mind a little HBO in their local theater. Say hi to Sean. Barf. One of the few comments underneath that post is from Sean Inlow's sister, Leanna Inlow, and she says, quote, Brother, remember back when we was kids fighting over the TV and your Star Wars and my Planet of the Apes on at the same time, and our dad had to come up and stop us? So glad you joined up with the cast. What was it, late teens or after college? Your talent just blossomed and bloomed from acting, singing, and directing, now your own band in a theater. Wow, your talent, as well as many others with the cast, is a true gift to the world. Amazing. Um, Leanna, I have a brother as well, and I'm trying to put myself in your position. This comment was written two years ago. And I hope now that you know what your brother is alleged of doing to young boys and girls by not just one, but multiple people. You just might have a change of mind. Your brother, in my opinion, is the opposite of a true gift to this world. In my opinion, he is a pedophile and creep. And I will make sure to the best of my ability that he cannot harm another innocent child. So I commented on that post on May 16, 2022 at 11.57 a.m. with the following, quote, Yikes! This guy should never be allowed around children. Even if his actions are still alleged, I will do everything in my power to protect these kids, end quote. All right, so just for funsies, let's have story time again with another in-low article titled The State Trooper. Sir, I'm sorry you're afraid. Published on June 1st, 2020. Again, I will have Dwayne read the article and my voice as the commentary. Let's do this, D. All right. The State Trooper, sir... I'm sorry you're afraid. I read a story today by a professor named Steve Locke, 
who teaches at the Massachusetts College of Art and Design. That has taken me back over the years. He was telling of his detention by police on the street. You see, I have been the officer in such an encounter and his story filled me with sorrow and helped me resolve my own experience in a way. I was a state trooper in the rural mountains of Pennsylvania. The population here is 98% white. I remember coming as a young trooper to the Phillipsburg station, and I remember counting 13 racist jokes on my first Martin Luther King Day on station. One of my coworkers, a Sunday school teacher, called it James Earl Ray Day. I counted epithets on many, many days. Disgusted, I held my tongue. You know what else is disgusting? You, Sean Inlow, holding your tongue. You were a state trooper at that time. You are supposed to stand up to violence and racism. You are supposed to make your community better and not hold your tongue to violence and racism, in my opinion. I watched as men roughly handled illegal immigrants caught on the interstate bound for New York. I come from a very white, very rural, largely ignorant place. My own upbringing was filled with heroes of color. Clemente, Richard Pryor, Parliament. It took me years to really hear Richard Pryor. But that did not seem to connect with the racist language we learn as boys, and that, sadly, I still hear today. Point is, I rarely interacted with suspects of color. In my work, I found that the bias in a white culture is not actively against people of color, per se. I found that class difference was more often the bias. Were you a have, good people, or have not, bad people? The police here were much more likely to arrest the poor and much more likely to give someone who could afford a lawyer a pass. What the fuck? Are you seriously admitting this? Thank you, but where is your oath to protect and serve? You went along with protecting and serving just the rich? Disgusting, Inlow. I had an encounter with a black man driving from Philadelphia to visit someone in the Houtsdale prison. And the encounter is vivid for me today, thanks to Steve Locke. Listen. I pulled him over for speeding. I approached carefully as you would any traffic stop. I placed my fingertips on the trunk of the car, pressing down slightly. Eyes trained over the B post of the car to look over the driver's left shoulder. You do this so you can see the driver's hands. The hands are the first thing that can harm you. Then, as you approach, your view exposes more the interior of the car. It was broad daylight and the driver was alone. He had placed his wallet on the dashboard and his hands at 11 and 1 o'clock on the steering wheel. He was making a valiant effort not to quiver. Good morning, sir. My name is Trooper Inlow of the Pennsylvania State Police. I pulled you over for speeding 72 in a 55 zone. May I see your license, registration, and proof of insurance? He got them very deliberately out of his wallet, and I was surprised he did not drop them. Sir, is there anything wrong today? Anything you'd like to say that I should know about? 
I'm just driving to Houtsdale Prison to visit a relative. Am I going the right way? You are. You just follow 322 and then take 53 South when you get to Phyllisburg and go another 8 miles and left at the light right in Houtsdale. Sir, I'm going to go back to the car and check your information. Try to relax. I'll only be a minute or two. I'd love to speak to this man and hear his recollection of the traffic stop. Something tells me it was the complete opposite of Inlow's recollection. I back away from the nervous man, then turn and walk sidelong and keep my eyes on him until I'm almost to the cruiser door. I run his license. The plate had already been called in. I sat in my car and I was depressed. Normally when I see a person quivering in the car or in some encounter, they're afraid because they've done something wrong or are about to lie to you about something. And when you have a scared human being, it can be dangerous. But I read this situation differently. The man was in mortal fear of his life. I had never seen this before. What I was looking at was a person who had been trained in his life that encounters with the police were life-threatening. He'd had a discussion with someone in his life that, in a traffic stop, what you do is you put your wallet on the dash, you put your hands in plain sight, and you don't move. You be respectful and polite and try to keep it together. Yes, Inlow, that's what many black people are taught to do, because cops like you are racist and or don't fight against racism, in my opinion. If I'm walking on the street in the dark with a hoodie on and a cop drives by, I'd either be ignored or asked if I'm all right. If Dwayne was walking on the street in the dark with a hoodie on and a cop drove by, I believe it'd be a different story. Just my opinion. Our black friends are currently raising their children of color to not wear a hoodie at night and to keep their hands in plain sight. And that is an awful reality. I walked back up to the stop vehicle. The man's still with his hands in plain sight. And I tried to be as nice as I could. But how does one correct hundreds of years of victimization in a single traffic stop with a scared man from Philadelphia? Here are your things, sir. I handed him his cards. You're good to go. You remember the directions to Houtsdale? Are you okay to drive? Yes, I know the way. Sir, I want you to have a good day. Drive safe, okay? I will, he said. And sir? He looked up at me, wanting to go, but not too fast. I'm sorry you're afraid. I don't know what he was thinking as I walked back to my car. As he pulled away, I sat there in my patrol car for some time. Phillipsburg 6 to Phillipsburg. Go ahead, car 6. Clear traffic stop. So, if that's really how it went down, then good for you, Inlow. However... There is zero, and I mean zero, part of me that believes that traffic stop went exactly the same way that Inlow just said. I hope I'm wrong, but it's very doubtful, in my opinion. 
And at the end of the article, it states, Sean Inlow is an English major out of Slippery Rock State University when they were still called the Rockets. A former journalist for the Courier Express in Du Bois and the Progress in Clearfield and WOKW Radio, a soccer coach since the 70s, a founding member of the Clearfield Arts Studio Theater cast, a Pennsylvania state trooper for 20 years. He is retired now. And you guys, Sean Inlow, as of the day of this recording, still coaches youth soccer. And he still runs a local theater that has summer camps for children. This is insane, in my opinion. How can he be around children, even if these accusations are all alleged? There is no way in hell any of my children would be seen at the Osceola Mills Pool, the Cast Theater, the Launchpad Theater, or coached by him in youth soccer. Oh, And you know what else? Sean Inlow now has a side business as a private investigator. Terry's daughters, Sam and Massica Jessica, reached out to him and asked for his assistance. This was prior to us exposing him, obviously. And without even responding to Jessica, Sean Inlow blocked her. And then about a week later, Terry Clark's other daughter, Sam, messaged him, and he replied that if he finds her IP address, he is going to come and kill her. Yeah, that's what he said. Yikes. Sam then replied that she wasn't a scammer and that that was a pretty hefty threat coming from an ex-cop. He then requested Sam to prove that they had a mutual friend, and when she did so, Inlow then kind of chilled out a little bit and offered to meet with both Sam and Jess at the Phillipsburg launch pad. He messaged her, quote, Many awful things have happened in my life because of police work. Many awful things. End quote. <laughs> I'm sure they have, Inlow. So once they got to the theater, being the brilliant girls that they are, they met outside the theater and made sure someone was watching them at all times to be safe. Inlow stated that Sam and Jessica have inconvenienced him a great deal and they caused him a lot of worry, even though he's the one that set the day and time. He started out by saying that he has no knowledge of the hit and run. He then went on to say that he quit being a cop after 20 years, right before his pension, because it was not a very good working environment. A lot of people are incompetent, and a lot of people do wrong. He then went on about the Clearfield Troopers naming the wrong person and putting this person in the paper, and they knew it was the wrong person, and then Inlow bragged that he was able to get the papers and then get this guy out of jail. Then, miraculously, Sean Inlow happened to know that Terry Clark 
was walking on the highway when he got hit. But just minutes before, he claims to have never even heard of Terry Clark. He then stated that he remembered that Terry was hit and then run over again a second time, he said. And then he said, oh, that's a homicide, an intentional murder. And then Sean Inlow brings up on his own that Terry was walking home from Phillipsburg. How did he know where Terry was walking from? Oh, wait. We do have a statement saying that whenever there's a crime, Trooper Inlow happened to show up. And in 2005, Trooper Inlow was a state trooper. Hmm. Then he goes on to tell Sam and Jessica that they should feel comfortable with him because they're with a policeman that didn't fit in. This makes my skin crawl for so many different reasons. Sean Inlow then goes on to say that the nice thing about being a retired police officer is that sometimes he can get them to cooperate with him just a little bit. Then he talked shit about current Pennsylvania State Trooper Sankey, a former detective for Terry Clark Sr. Inlow called Sankey a fucking idiot and then told a story about how corrupt Sankey is. It had to do with a traffic accident between a good-looking girl and a girl with cancer, which are both beautiful in my opinion. But apparently a girl with cancer is not good-looking to Troopers Inlow and Sankey. Anyway, according to Inlow, Sankey ended up with the pretty girl's number, and she got out of the ticket, and the girl with cancer got the ticket. Inlow then called Trooper Sankey a fucking dick and a jackass. Hmm. I wonder what Trooper Sankey would think about Sean Inlow's comments. Sean Inlow then proceeded to brag about how good of a police officer he was and how he helped a lot of people. I don't care how many people you helped, Inlow. If you hurt even one innocent person, that is unacceptable. Inlow brought up to the sisters that the first thing a police officer thinks when someone reaches out to him is, what did I do wrong? Who did I hurt? And that is so striking to me, you guys. Why is that the first thing you think Why is it not, how can I help this person? I'm so glad this person reached out to me. Why is it, what did I do wrong? Who did I hurt? Are you guilty of something? It makes me wonder what retired trooper Sean Inlow did wrong. It makes me wonder who retired trooper Sean Inlow hurt. And then he went on to say that they need to know They scared him, and that he is not a typical police officer. Well, we know you're not a typical police officer. Or at least, I sure do hope your alleged actions are not typical. And then before ending this meeting, Inlow let Sam and Jessica know that he disappointed 25 kids for them 
He moved their soccer practice for this meeting. He invited them to look at his new theater, and very smartly, the girls declined. Sean Inlow also reminded the girls that they can trust him and that he left five years early because he couldn't stand it, but that he was really, really good. And he told them that they better not lie to him. He will keep things confidential and they need not to lie. He needs their truth or they're wasting his time and not to be afraid of him. Can you say creep? The following day, Sam asked Inlow to be a guest speaker at Terry Clark's peaceful protest coming up on June 11th. And that he could talk about how he quit his job because of all the unjust things that went on and how he is now a PI helping families. And you guys, his response was, quote, I have no interest in speaking in that way. Sorry, end quote. So next week, we're going to look into a closer look at some circumstances surrounding a Florida man's arrest. This has a lot to do with shady, in my opinion, retired state trooper Sean Inlow. I have spoken to the family involved in this arrest. And I have spoken to the family that have had jail time because of Sean Inlow. I am waiting on some more documentation to provide more facts to all of you guys. But what I will say is that in some public records that I have found, it involves more accusations of Sean Inlow raping young women. We don't know who hit, killed, and left Terry Clark Sr. dead. No one has been arrested as of this episode. The names that I have mentioned are innocent. And everything I have said about Sean Inlow are allegations at this time. This coming June 11, 2022 will mark 17 years without Terry Clark Sr. We can't stop and we won't stop fighting for Terry Clark Sr.'s justice. We will make sure his alleged killer cannot do this to another innocent person. We will put pressure on authorities to treat Terry Clark Sr. as if it was their own father. Huge shout out to Terry's daughters, Jessica and Sam, and to his wife, Brenda. Without each of you, this crucial information that you have received and the deep dive into your father and husband's suspicious death could not be shared. 
Because of each of you, I am able to make awareness on the seemingly lack of police work done on Terry Clark Sr.'s case. Please join the Closure and Justice for Terry Clark Sr. Facebook group page for more information, as well as the Can't Stop, Won't Stop page. You guys, this bullshit happens way more than we think. There are so many families that are fighting against law enforcement for their loved one's justice. I am here to let you know that you are not alone. You are not the only family treated poorly by law enforcement when seeking justice for a loved one. I am here to help give you the confidence to speak up, use your voice, and prove what is truly happening in your loved one's case. Please join our live this Sunday and every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Facebook at Can't Stop, Won't Stop. And you can also follow me at MyLindsayAnn on Instagram. As always, I'd like to note that I have zero training in law enforcement and I have zero training as a lawyer. I'm just a girl that is driven to find justice. I'm just a girl that gives a shit and truly cares. I'm just a girl that has a hell of a lot more empathy for victims' families than many people with badges do. It's really, truly disgusting what so many grieving families have to go through. What if this happened to your innocent loved one? Would you stop fighting? Would you back down? Hell no. We can't stop and we won't stop fighting until we get answers. If you enjoyed this episode, you guys, please give me a five-star review on Apple Podcast. This is free, and it really does help get awareness out to the public about the many injustices happening to so many grieving families. Thank you for your support. And those of you that don't like that I am helping families seek justice, well then, just stay away because... Mean people suck. I'm super excited to announce that my spring and summer merch will be available very soon, I promise, at can'tstopwontstop.store. Stay tuned. You know, I don't know why so much pain and loss has to happen. I don't have all the answers. Only he does. And sometimes the best thing to do is is just trust it. It was back in 04 when Grandpa died and my shirt was soaking wet with tears from my eyes. You tried to calm me down, tried to plead your case, but I just bit that face right back in your face. And you said, well, you may not understand now. Somehow, someday, some way, you'll find out why it had to be. Yeah, according to his plan, he won't put you through anything that he thinks you can't make it through. With his everlasting love, you may need to scream at the top of your lungs. Because while you think he died at too young an age, it really was his time. There's no reason for rage. He's in a better place now, away from the pain and the stress and the hate and the hurt and the strain. The best way to honor him and his legacy is to live how he did and not question me.
no, God, no, please no. Tell me it ain't so. Tell me that I'm dreaming. Tell me a way to get rid of all these feelings that I'm now having of anger and fear. I just saw Peyton.